is uh, Will Procaccio. Hi, this is Brian Azzarelli. This is Freddie Williams. Hi, this is Lieber Mayo. Hi, this is Matt Wagner. Hey, this is Tim Sale. Hi, this is Nadia DeFilippis. And Christina Ware. Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. Hi, this is Jeff Van Duncan here. This is the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 35. I'm your host Dustin, and today we have with us... It's Apple. You got Josh. And this is Zach. And we are bringing you the latest comic news from the past two weeks, as well as your upcoming releases for the next two weeks, and some comic reviews from the past two weeks. We only have four comics to cover, and very, very little news, so we're going to have a discussion of what we can expect in 2010 in relationship to the Batman comics. Let's jump right into comic news. You know something. The very first thing we have is on December 21st, Newsarama had posted some Dan DiDio questions. They broke this up into four parts. The first part, they talked about a couple different things, including the release date of Batman Earth 1 and some updates on All-Star Batman. So we're going to play the clip for those two questions. Andy Dio, executive editor of DC Comics, welcome you to my office uh, for the end-of-the-year version of the video version of uh, 20 Questions. Let's start right from the top. Let's go with Binker 2. Binker 2 wrote, all about Earth 1. One, what were the chain of events that led to the creation of Earth 1? What is the release dates for these graphic novels? And we only have Superman and Batman. How about Wonder Woman, Earth 1, Green Lantern, and or the Justice League? Let's take it right from the start. Chain of events to start with uh, the creation of Earth 1. Very simple. Um, We were looking at the format of original graphic novels. We really enjoyed uh, how well people were responding to that. We looked at how the Joker book sold and a number of our books sold with our characters as original graphic novels. But we wanted to find a way to take the best of both worlds. Original graphic novels uh, going out to a wide variety of people in, in multiple distribution lines. Also trying to get that periodic nature that I seem to love, or hopefully everybody seems to love, about comics themselves. And what we did is we decided to combine the two and create the Earth One line of books where we're going to come out with a series of, of periodic, ongoing graphic novels. First two out of the gate, uh, as we know, is going to be um, J. Michael Straczynski and Shane Davis on Superman, and then also followed by Jeff Johns and, uh, and Gary Frank on Batman. Uh, first of those books are out in this September of 2010. Next book, next book after that will be coming out, I think it's November of 2010. Um, and then we're going to hopefully have two of those graphic novels every year. That's the game plan. Uh, we are also looking out to expanding the line. So I had a lot of questions about Wonder Woman, a lot of questions about Flash, and even a lot of questions about Aquaman. As of right now, we haven't decided what the other books will be. There will be other books in the Earth One line, uh, but those will be announced later on in the year, later on in 2010, that is, because uh, those books will probably be released in 2011. Okay. Moving right along. Next one. Cup of Beans wrote. I, I just love the Cup of Beans. That's why I had to find a way to pull this in. Uh, I keep asking you, when the hell All-Star, Batman and Robin, 11 and 12 are going to see the light of day? Still luck, no luck in getting an answer. Uh, I'll just keep on asking, I suppose. And I've given up asking about All-Star Wonder Woman. I'm sorry that you got to that level of frustration on both those books. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you also that we're evaluating both the situations on those series. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying what's going on in Batman and Robin in the regular line. Hopefully you'll enjoy what's going to be coming out with Earth One. Uh, in the same case uh, with Wonder Woman in the regular line, regular line too. We a lot of great plans in 2010 for both Batman and Wonder Woman and our characters. Um, as for the all, All-Star books, uh, it's, uh, stay tuned. We're still figuring out where we stand with that. All right, so those were those two questions. For the most part, nothing new. Basically, DC waiting and saying, All-Star Batman will happen, we just don't know what. Which we already knew, not a surprise. Moving right along into December 22nd, it was announced that Batwoman will be getting her own series. Now, it wasn't officially announced by DC, but Newsarama's Word Balloon podcast did an interview with Greg Rucka. In the interview, Rucka explained that this week's issue of Detective Comics number 860 is the last pairing of Williams and himself on Detective Comics. As we already knew, Jock will join Rucka for the next story arc. Rucka said he is not sure whether or not he will continue on the book after this next story arc. What he did mention is that Williams and Rucka will reunite on an ongoing Batwoman series that will continue their 12-part story that they had already planned out. Rucka commented in this way, Jim and I are going to be, I'm going to probably get in trouble for saying this, we're starting to work on what will be a Batwoman title. Our initial plan has been, had been 12 issues on Detective, and for writing reasons in-house, we're going to take our last story, or our last part of the story, because Jim and I have pretty much looked at it, the 12 issues, those 12 issues as a complete story. So that's what he said about that. What do we think about Batwoman getting her own series? 
I I think Greg Rucker actually he writes are pretty good. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know how bat fans really feel about it. I mean, I can read on the forums and say you have your dislikes and not dislikes. Uh, I was kind of the one of the ones that was disliking the whole idea, but after reading Greg Rucker's run, I'm, I think I'm probably going to collect it. Anybody anybody want to go see uh, Superman Returns or X-Men 3 later? Because we are obviously in the year 2006, judging by this announcement. Because, <laughs> yeah, I totally remember they've been announcing a Batwoman series for years now, and it took them this long to get her a Detective Comics feature. Now they're announcing the series again. Are we going to see it this time? Or am I, just be- am, I, am I being pessimistic? Probably. But, you know, I think that we've earned the right to ask this question. I mean, they announced the series at the same time as announcing the character, you know. So I'll believe it when I see it and when I'm holding it in my hand. Okay. Uh, I think it's I think it's great news. Uh, I do think it'll come around too. When you have two not names like Greg Rucka and J. H. Williams involved, I would think that if they're saying that they're going to do a series, that they would do it with those two guys. In his their run on Detective would be something I would double definitely double dip into and get the hardcover as well. So it'll be interesting one way or the other. I'm I, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by Batwoman. I think we bashed the fact that uh, Batwoman overhyping Batwoman for quite some time, but I think the overhype was actually legitimate. And the art was amazing, probably the best stuff I've seen in years, so hands down I can't argue with the fact that if J.H. Williams and Greg Rucker are going to both be on the book, great. My only concern is what would happen if both of them left, because J.H. Williams can't stay on the book forever. His art takes some time to do, and that's part of the reason why he left now, was because he didn't have time. Some of those pages from the last run were dated back to 2007. So, I mean, he was work. They were working on this book for a long time. Yeah. We don't have any more time. All right. So moving right along to December, also on December 22nd, Comic Book Resources posted up a discussion that they had with Dan DiDio, and in that discussion, they discussed the future of the co-features. In relation to the co-features that are in the Batman books, the question backup will remain unchanged. It will continue in Detective Comics. What we have seen in the latest issue is that Huntress is currently aiding the question. There is no word on whether or not Huntress will continue to play a supporting role in that story, but I have to say it will be interesting to see if Batwoman's out of the book, why question will still be in the book if Batman's in the book. Just saying. The other book that has a co-feature, which would be Batman Streets of Gotham, uh, currently has Manhunter as the co-feature, and what they said about that was it will be swapped out with a serial-like co-feature. Each one will focus on a different characters from the DC Universe. No word on which characters they will feature yet. I would assume it would feature people from the Batman Universe, not so much the overall DC Universe, as why would I want to buy Batman Streets of Gotham to read a backup about Superboy? just probably wouldn't so i imagine that there'll be different people within the batman universe it could be a good thing especially since batman streets of gotham is kind of as uh one person has put it uh kind of strayed from uh the people of gotham and now is featuring a lot more of batman and robin i'm surprised uh that they're already kind of changing this thing up you know, we yeah. just started this in June. It's and for me, most of these features have kind of been hot and cold, uh, mostly cold. Haven't really liked the art on them. Not really into the characters. Don't really care about the Manhunter and. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the Manhunter co-feature and more so than the main feature. Um, and I liked the question co-feature. So yeah, I guess it's a little disappointing that they're already switching these up. Yeah, we know for right now it's going to go at least through March, but the solicitation for Streets of Gotham with the Manhunter co-feature, it kind of sounds like something that could be easily wrapped up, but who knows, we'll see. I'm sure if they're going to do something, it might be around June or it might be earlier, but it's not going to be any earlier than March before we see Manhunter out of the book. To be quite honest, I don't know. So going from that, we go back to Dan DiDio's questions, and this would be part two, and this was on actually on December 23rd. 
And there was a couple questions that were mentioned about Bruce Wayne's return. Something pretty interesting. We'll just play the clip and you can hear what the questions are. Bill Bailey wrote, uh, isn't a little soon to be working on a return of Bruce Wayne. The new Batman and Robin team is settling into their new roles. It seems like a bad idea to end the story of two popular best-selling characters uh, and they're just as their origin stories are being complete. There are so many stories left to tell and for the customers to pay for. We always love when customers pay for things. Why end it now? And more importantly, when... Why end it now when the fans don't want Bruce back yet? Well, this is going to be a point for a lot of discussion, I'm sure. Uh, we hear just as many people who want to see Dick Grayson stay in the role of Batman as we do hearing from them that want Bruce Wayne back in the cowl. I'm happy to say that uh, the return of Bruce Wayne doesn't immediately hearken the response or get us to the point where Dick Grayson immediately gives up the cowl again. It's a lot of story about to be told. All through 2010, you're going to be seeing Bruce Wayne's return. You're going to be seeing Dick Grayson as Batman. And it's not going to wrap up as neatly as you think. So uh, I'm glad you asked the question. But more importantly, we're aware of all this. And again, there's a lot of discussion on this. Uh, and I hope that we come to a conclusion that everybody likes. Uh, Dago the King wrote, uh, picking up on the same question from before, is it at all possible to have for Bruce Wayne to explore other roles upon his return? He doesn't have to be Batman as soon as he gets back. And I take place, all the story does take place after Blackest Night. Uh, yes, you'll see clearly in Batman and Robin number seven that this storyline is starting to follow uh, the events of Blackest Night. Uh, and more importantly, just because Bruce Wayne is back, like I said before, doesn't mean Dick Grayson is going to be giving up the cow. So, uh, like I said, keep an eye on this. You're going to be, be uh, hopefully happy and a lot of surprise by the, by the twists and turns along the way. Who's to say that we couldn't have a couple of people be Batman? Okay, so that's the... Last bit of Batman questions from Dan DiDio. Now, real real quick, this kind of goes back to what they hinted at before about possibly two Batman um, being in the DC Universe. Dick Grayson staying Batman and then Bruce Wayne returning and being Batman as well. Do I see this working? No, but then again, I didn't really see the idea of Dick Grayson being Batman working either, and that's worked out too, just like I didn't see the idea of Batwoman working in Detective Comics, but that worked out too. So for the most part, we underestimate them, and they end up outperforming themselves, which can be a plus, but at the same time, hype surrounding it beforehand kind of maybe wanes on fans in general. But if I was a normal comic fan and I heard that there's two Batman running around Gotham City, I would probably think that's pretty stupid. So, honestly, I'm not really liking the idea of two Batman. And I've been saying this since they announced Dick Grayson was going to be Batman. What is going to happen to Dick Grayson? I seriously think Bruce Wayne's going to come back and kick Dick Grayson to the curb. That's my theory. Well, with the whole Nightwing character over in the, the Superman universe, uh, maybe... Dick Grayson can be a real cool character now, you know, as he lays down the cow to Bruce, um, maybe take on his own persona of uh, another character. This guy's been more characters than I think anybody. <laughs> so maybe really? we, maybe we can have like, uh, like, uh, not, not Darkwing, but something cool. Darkwing duck. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Are we so going to bring him into cool the DCU? <laughs> This, Disney bought Marvel, not DC. Disney bought Marvel, I know. But uh, we can have something cool for Dick, man. You know, something, you know, something cool, man. Or they will kill him. Yeah, well, I think it's redundant to have two Batman running around. It's going to be too confusing to the general comic audience. And it just basically dilutes the the name, kind of. You know, you're stretching it too thin. What they're going to do, and I've been saying this for a while, and I'm 90% sure of this, they're going to relaunch Nightwing with a shiny new number one. And, yeah, you have Chris Kent running around as Nightwing over in the Superman books, but they'll probably just give him another name or something or suck him back into the Phantom Zone once this whole Krypton storyline is over. Or they kill Dick. Well, we'll see. They tried that. We all know that the deal loves killing people. Well, then he likes to bring them back the next issue. All right, so that's all the news we've got. Let's move into upcoming trade paperbacks coming out. We'll see what the truth is. We only have one over the next two weeks. January 13th, we have Batman Brave and the Bold. This solicitation reads, Inspired by the hit Cartoon Network series, the Cape Crusader teams with the heroes including Green Arrow, Plastic Man, Blue Beetle, Aquaman, and others. And And these tales from the first six issues of the monthly series... Batman and his allies tangle with the Time Lord, saves the world's children from the Queen of Fables, and more. This is 128 pages and 12.99. 
And obviously, most of you probably won't buy this, but if you do have kids, this could be a way of introducing them to the Batman comics. True. As well as the DC Universe. Alright, so that is all of the trade paperbacks we have coming out in the next two weeks. So let's move straight into our reviews and start off with World's Finest number three. We start off with Supergirl. She's in her Linda Lang identity, um, sleeping in Lana Lang's apartment. She's kind of on a sabbatical from New Krypton, which is where she's been because of the Superman crossover. When she's woken up by Oracle, who's calling her through the computer, Oracle's telling her that her operative, being the Stephanie Brown version of Batgirl, was looking for the connection between the missing villains from the past few issues of the World's Finest miniseries, but that she lost contact with her. Supergirl's like, I'm getting dressed, say no more, and goes off to search for her. We cut to Batgirl and Catwoman. They're in a shipping container, which is sinking underwater. Supergirl is able to retrieve them before they drown. She introduces herself to Batgirl for the first time. Uh, This is her first time meeting Stephanie Brown and this version of Batgirl, which I think that she'd be a little more uneasy around Batgirls, because the last time she met a Batgirl, she tried to kill her. Uh, That was back when Cassandra Cain was mwahahaha evil. So Stephanie's orienting care on the situation while Catwoman's still inside of the container tied up like, hey, aren't you guys going to get me? And they're just ignoring her. Oracle had apparently sent Stephanie on the trail of a radiation link, thinking that it might be kryptonite because kryptonite man was missing. And when she got to the warehouse that it was coming from, Catwoman was also there because she was trying to get the bounty on kryptonite man's head. Toy Boy, you know, that little midget assistant of Toy Man, uh, ambushed them, which is how they wound up in the underwater container. So the girls decide to head back to the warehouse and leave Catwoman behind, you know, just to get her mad. Wasn't really too happy about that because War Games kind of established that uh, Stephanie Brown and Selena Kyle had a really, really friendly relationship. In fact, Selena supported Stephanie back when Bruce wouldn't. So, you know, way to, way to repay that debt, Stephanie. Good job. So... The girls are talking about the fact that Batman trained both of them, because uh, Stephanie forgets that when Supergirl first came to Earth, Batman had trained her almost as much as Superman and Wonder Woman had, and they both discuss their grief that Batman's now gone. So they're about to go into the next room, and the girls are formulating a plan about how they're going to take out Mr. Freeze and Toy Man and rescue Kryptonite Man from the torture chamber that Stephanie saw him in before she was captured. Supergirl says, hey, it's the first Batgirl-Supergirl team-up. What could go wrong? Next page is a full splash page of Toy Man robots putting up a big fight, to which Stephanie's saying, you were saying, Toy Man panics, runs to tell Freeze that they need to get Kryptonite Man ready now. Supergirl crushes Toy Boy's skull in. Thank goodness he was a robot. Otherwise, uh, you know, that's a pretty big leap in faith to make Supergirl. I know that Toy Man builds a lot of robots, but you could have just committed murder there. That's okay. So Batgirl incapacitates Mr. Freeze's weapon. Supergirl's like, you know, I I could have actually taken it out. But Stephanie's like, yeah, but I figured I needed something to do. Toy Man is crushed at Toy Boy's death, you know, because robots of his don't blow up all the time or anything like that. And he blames Supergirl. He's like, it's all you, you and your aliens. And that's why he says he did this all because someone had to deal with the aliens. And then he activates the Superman Batman robots, this big giant thing. It looks like it's the same one that Hiro Akamura, no relation to Jeff Loeb's other character, Hiro Nakamura, built back in the first arc of Superman Batman. It looks like they're getting Kryptonite Man the power it. So Oracle then loses the signal from Supergirl and uh, Batgirl. So she calls Dick. Dick is ahead of the game, though. He's like, oh, I've been monitoring your signal, uh, Babs. And Bob's like, what? That's th- that's messed up. That's Yeah, he's becoming more and more like Bruce every day. So Dick's like, all right, if this is really a code black, like she says it is, then I'm going to have to call in the big guns. So he activates a satellite, which sends a signal to New Krypton, calling Superman. And that's going to be our setup for the next issue, where we're going to get the first team up between the new Batman and, well, Superman in his current status quo. That'll take us into Arkham Reborn number three. This is the last issue of the series. Uh, we start off with the cops and Kate Spencer, the district attorney, and Arkham all outside the asylum. 
all trying to figure out what exactly is going on, and they know that the uh, entire prison is in an upheaval, and all the inmates have broken loose, all fighting the guards. Batman is on the top of the asylum, already ahead of schedule, bursts in the window, takes out numerous people, including Clayface right off the bat, Dr. Phosphorus, and one of the guards lets him know that Aaron Cash is missing. We cut to Aaron Cash, who is running away from Killer Croc, and as Aaron Cash tries to activate the security device inside of the inmates that they had earlier, they realize that the entire security system is down, and Aaron Cash thinks he's going to be dead. Then we cut to Alice Sinner, who is working the night shift, screwing around with the security system, working and hoping that uh, Raggedy Man is going even more nuts than he is. She ends up giving him the little can opener that he used to not only open his cans of peaches, but also kill his grandmother. He crawls through a little hole where these little bugs crawl onto his skin, crawl into his mouth, crawl into every orifice that he has, and starts burrowing into his body. Um, then he realizes he needs that can opener, and then we cut back to the inside of the asylum where all the inmates are being arrested. The security system suddenly comes back on, and Aaron Cash pushes the button, and he gets fried. Batman appears, and Aaron Cash says, don't worry, I've got it covered. We cut back to all the inmates getting arrested by the Gotham PD in the main part of the asylum, and they're talking to Arkham, saying... Um, so let's see, what exactly has happened here? Um, what about Raggedy Man? Where exactly is he? Then all of a sudden we see Alice Sinner pop out of nowhere and she leads them to his dead body, which is covered in blood because he stabbed himself in the stomach trying to get the beetles out. Um, they're not sure what's driven him to this. That's the question. Batman's got his suspicions as the RP shows him staring at Alice Sinner. Then we cut to her talking to Black Mask, telling Black Mask that she wants the entire asylum. Then we go back to Arkham sitting in his office, and he's got the little jester thing along with the can opener and evidence bag, and he gets an incoming call from Batman. Batman tells him that there's a whole other level that he has no idea about, and somebody's been messing with his security system. He goes, no, it's probably Aaron Cash. And he goes, no, it's Alice Sinner. And he goes, wow, I, I can't believe that. He calls Alice Sinner to his office, basically tells her that the story that we heard earlier about how her parents were in a cult and they all killed themselves is actually not true. It was actually Alice killed everyone because that's just the way she was. Alice pulls the can opener off the desk and is about to st stab Arkham. Suddenly we cut to the three people that Arkham has hidden away in the asylum, and he's telling them the story. And then we find out that it was actually Aaron Cash who came in, stopped her, and now she's actually inside the asylum as a patient. Then we go to them talking about someone pulling strings in the art in the asylum, and we figure we have to figure out who it is. They all say we've seen him, and then suddenly out of nowhere we see this person pop out and says, The Joker's a long way from here. You can call me the Jester. Think of me as the Joker's evil twin. And then Arkham says, His evil twin? And then he says, Now isn't that a scary thought? Then the issue ends with uh, Commissioner Gordon calling up Arkham and Arkham saying, Don't worry, we figured out it was Alice Sinner. We'll find out who is responsible for building this extra layer of the asylum. Don't worry, everything's under strict control. And we see the three people in the room that Raggedy Man was in and having those little dolls saying, Raggedy, Raggedy Man, Raggedy Man, ain't he a funny old Raggedy Man? Along with the Jester. So it remains to be seen who this Jester is. It does remind me of the uh, Joker from A Parallel Earth, but I doubt that's the case. So we'll see what happens. And that's Arkham Reborn number three. That's all I wanted to know. That takes us to Gotham City Sirens number seven, written by Paul Dini with pencils done by David Lopez. We open with Catwoman fighting some knife-wielding Santas at an ATM. She makes quick work of them and leaves them unconscious for the police. We then cut to the Wayne penthouse where Selena and Dick are discussing topics such as Dick's role as Batman, Selena's lack of cooperation as an ally, and the Siren's current living situation. Damien then storms in and questions Dick's priorities. Dick tells Damien to wait in the car, and Damien says two minutes, and then I'm leaving. 
And then Dick and Selena toast to absent friends, which include Harley and Ivy and Bruce. We then meet Poison Ivy somewhere in Central America where she is rinsing off under a waterfall. She talks about how wonderful it is down there and how she is a goddess to the plants. However, she still misses Gotham. She hears gunshots fired and she follows the sounds. She comes across a group of drug lords who have killed and captured some tourists who have stumbled upon their processing plant. At first, she decides to ignore the situation, but she is then overcome by anger. She is upset with the cartels for again and again killing these innocent plants. She uses her powers to capture the the drug lords and free the tourists leaving poison ivy we then meet up with harley quinn who is in brooklyn knocking at the door of her mother's house her mother reluctantly lets her in where harley is greeted by her niece and nephew harley asks if her brother barry is home and her mother replies of course why wouldn't he be harley goes upstairs to see barry where we learn that barry is a drone and still lives with his mother harley and barry talk where we learn that Harley sent him $300,000 to make a down payment on a house, and apparently Barry managed to waste the money, which upsets Harley. Harley calls Barry a loser, which leads Barry to tell Harley to go back to the sick clown or the nut house. Harley leaves Barry and enters the kitchen where her mother is. Harley complains about Barry, and her mother tells Harley, at least Barry's honest, and, and at least he's never been locked up like his sister. Harley retaliates by saying that she has cleaned up her act and her mother gives Harley a hard time and Harley wonders why her mother never gives her a second chance like everyone else. After they somewhat embrace each other, Harley goes to see her father who is in prison. She tells her father that she has set aside some money for him and her mother in a foreign bank account, and her father then tries to trick Harley into telling him where the money is, which upsets Harley. As she's walking out of the visiting center and the prison, the prison guard asks her for a picture together and that he gave her dad 50 bucks to pose for him, which upsets Harley even further. However, the guard ends up getting the picture and Harley storms off pretty upset. Harley heads home and learns of the siren's new pad where she is met at the door by Ivy and Selena. They embrace one each other and take Harley on a tour of the new crib. Selena introduces Harley to the toy room, which leaves Harley pretty giddy, to say the least. And that is the end of Gotham City Sirens number seven. Call me. Don't press your luck. Okay, and that's going to take us into Detective Comics 860, uh, featuring Batwoman. This one opens up in a bar type. And uh, what you have is Kate leaning over a pool table, but you see two gentlemen uh, talking behind her. And one of the gentlemen, of course, is not paying attention to the other gentleman because, hello, Kate's right there, and she's bending over a pool table. <laughs> and so uh, the men are talking, and then all you hear is, good evening, gents. And uh, it says, time to play the Gotham City PD question and answer show. Who's going to be our first contestant? And, of course, it's Bullock. And these two guys just storm off. Bullock just gives a right hand right to the, one of the guy's chest, and he's down. And he calls, of course, uh, says, we got a runner. Renee comes in. She busts the other guy through the door. And then it says, uh, so what do you think? And then uh, she's looking at uh, at Faye, and Faye tells her to take a hike because Renee's trying to talk to Kate. And Kate tells her, really, like, you had no idea what these gentlemen plan to do to you. You know, and he says, you know, I can't always protect you. It just can't be me. And then Kate just looks in the other direction. And as we get to a night shot, the the city looks very cool. It's at a railroad and at the the railroad, you see a whole bunch of, it looks like, I guess, hired thugs, mercs, looking for a shipment. And then you see Kate at the top. And she's, of course, doing her vigilante thing in the in this part. And they say, it's him. But they actually, <laughs> they don't really, they think it's really Batman. But it's really Kate. She comes in, drops the tear gas. And, of course, it uh, leads into the title of uh, the third part of Go. Uh, we then see her taking a shower. She then takes a shower, heads down 
to uh, to another room where we see, you know, this is the problem with tear gas. And, of course, it's her father and her father just giving her education on some of the thing that's has going on, what to get ready for. And honestly, really training her going back through the, the backstory of being kind of like a vigilante crime fighter type. And, of course, he's he's really tough on her. He's really kind of like a, a, a military figure for her. And um, as we lead through, we then see that the point that Kate is trying to be is kind of like a la Batman Begins type, where she's starting to learn like what she's being trained for. And so the father goes on. He tells her, you know, of course, he loves her. But, you know, it's he's building this whole thing for her. And, of course, as you see, they're kind of like a la Batcave type place. Uh, that's where it pans off. We see her training. She then moves around. You see her uh, going through different um, feats to try to accomplish what we will kind of see her go through. And, of course, you see her time span where she's going through uh, studying, building her knowledge, building her physique, and just all around being a real, you know, pretty big crime fighter it then pans out to where we see her going back home and of course uh it says kate you're back and then uh it pans out and it says last your father said you were in malaysia or indonesia or someplace terrible hot and humid and of course we know that she's been training but of course the family doesn't know and then her father comes down and he's like oh kate hey you know they're just having like a little buddy buddy thing and so the uh other person person was right there moves away and then he tells her have you been to the apartment yet and she goes came straight here from the airport and he goes then what are you waiting for so he then takes her to the apartment and bam it almost looks like uh a la bat cave type where it's a nice hideout it looks cool and he says that it took two years building the new uh the new security systems being installed the alarms the cameras everything the heart for her operation and then he shows her the uniform now, the uniform, as you see, is kind of like what we see now with the, the Batwoman's uniform, but it's missing a little something. And so uh, she goes, are those are those boots? And he goes, well, they're, you know, it's the only red, you know, the red things I could find. And so it takes on the red and black persona for what we would know as Batwoman. And then he goes on, gives her another breakdown. She tries out the uniform and of course he tells her, you like it? And he goes, it'll do for now and there's one last thing. And then we see him tie what looks like a bat symbol on there. And he goes, so everyone knows what side you're on. And then uh, it pans out. We see her over, uh, it looks like a hospital. Well, actually it is a hospital. She's over there. And it says, are you looking for anything particular in the rain? And she goes, just just the river. It looks clean from here. And then it tells her, uh, it gives her uh, a reading. It's Mallory. And Mallory tells her, you know, the DNA results. And she goes, have a good night. And then she pans out to uh, go back to what looks like her father's house. The father's house, then looking out the window, thunder comes through. Batwoman's right there, and he's having a drink. And then you kind of see where their relationship is now, where she's kind of like, kind of become like Batman in a way where he's kind of cold once he dons that suit. Uh, he he tells her that, you know, Elizabeth's death, and he she goes, I know, Colonel, I watched her fall. I killed her. And then it pans out. And, of course, he leads right there in his sorrow, and Batwoman just takes off. Okay, and for the side story, we have The Question of the Pipeline, which is Chapter 2, Part 1, of uh, Greg Rucka and artist Cully Habner. Uh, what we have is the question and the huntress finding out in a looks like a bar type and we see a creepy guy with red glasses looking upon them after they fight they're stitching themselves up Renee and of course Helena are right there and they're stitching themselves up after this little bout I guess you kind of say and uh, as they're stitching themselves up uh, they're going to through the mission or what has happened and discussing that it's always about money and they stitch each other up then they go ahead and get into a, a car and it seems that they're heading down through the, the outer banks of north carolina and of course uh they're having a little talk back and forth is like you do you have to drive this fast <laughs> and of course it's just like well you, it is a lamborghini what else to do and so they arrive at a professor house that uh, renee knows and of course uh huntress of course introduces herself and this is professor uh Aristotle rodor and um 
and as they're talking, of course, they're talking that you know he had uh, she had been mentioned before by uh, Vic Sage, and of course she says, you know, Vic, he was like, like he was my only flesh, like he was like he was my own flesh and blood, and uh, of course tells her that there's a spare, spare bedroom upstairs, and of course uh, Renee and Helena go through talking about their experiences of how they met and where they're at, and of course the professor looks upon them. And then uh, they get into, they get uh, invited back to the table, and of course, as they're having dinner, uh, of course, you know, a little wine, a little bread. Uh, it says, you know, you, of course, you want to be finding a place, and because you were obviously followed, weren't you? And then uh, they talk about no, you know, there was a uh, sniper in Matal, uh, uh, some local muscle in Istanbul, and uh, a local run-in in Odessa where they had just been, uh, where they had just this themselves up at the beginning of the story and it says no it was pretty much amateur night you know and he was like are you sure you weren't followed he goes we weren't followed and as the professor kind of leans back in the window you see the guy with the creepy red glasses and he goes are you certain and it says to be continued and that's where he leads off and that's the end of Detective Comics 860 All right, so that'll take us into our review wrap-up, uh, starting off with World's Finest. World's Finest. Um, I enjoyed this. I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, I thought that Supergirl and Batgirl, it was nice to see them getting along and everything, but there wasn't any conflict. With Nightwing and Red Robin, there was at least a little tension because Tim was being brooding. And, of course, you know, Damien and Guardian. I mean, that was just full of tension, so... I guess it's kind of refreshing to have, you know, just the two girls getting along, but I felt that there should have been a little more for them to talk about, you know. They have some mutual friends and other people in common. I mean, I like how they connected over the fact that they both trained with Batman. And as I said in the review, it's okay if Sterling Gates has not read War Games, but just the way Selena was treated by Stephanie, if you read that, like... At the time of War Games, Tim, Batman, they were all against Stephanie, and Cavill was the only one who helped her and took her into the apartment and, you know, like, helped confide in her and stuff like that. It just kind of, it was good writing, it was good art, but it didn't have the little bit of extra that the other issues had, so I'm going to give it a three out of five batterings. All right, so Arkham Reborn number three. Now... I gotta say, for the most part, I like this series because the first one and the second one both had things kind of intertwined into what was currently going on in the Batman comics. When I say Batman comics, I'm really just talking about Batman because I think there's some kind of um, idea that they had with Tony Daniel about what to do with this book and how to intertwine it with his story because that's the only book it seems to be kind of coinciding with. But this one, there was nothing. There was nothing really worthwhile. If anything... Um, we get a bunch of characters from a bunch of the other books. We get Kate Spencer. We see Batman, but we don't see Robin, even though in the other books Robin is gun-ho about catching Zaz because he's killing children. So it's kind of a put-off because they were following stuff so nicely in the first two issues, and this one they weren't. Um, on top of that, I don't understand what the idea of this Alice Sinner character was. And honestly, you can take this entire story, and at the end of the day, you can completely obliterate it from the Batman universe, and it's not going to make one difference one way or the other. Who's to say that this secret level inside of uh, Arkham Asylum will someday play into effect? Maybe, but I don't think we needed to have the miniseries about it. I think this was just an excuse to have those three characters that they brought in during the Arkham Asylum one-shot during Battle for the Cowl. I think it was a, an excuse to bring those three characters in because I don't think anybody else really wants to bring them into their series. And the Jester. The Jester. Uh, I really wish I knew what was going on. When I read this the first time, I was thinking... Okay, so is this the Joker just dressed up? Maybe the Joker's gone insane. And then when he said, no, I'm not the Joker, I was like, okay, so who is this guy? And the fact that right now, the Jester is also a character that's going to be appearing in Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, the new DC animated movie, it made me think, okay, so now this guy's possibly from another parallel universe because there is a Jester from a parallel universe. I'm really not understanding what's going on with that. And they kind of left it open-ended in the fact that this is the last issue. I don't even see how that's going to pop into another issue or another series because a lot of the stuff that's happened in this series, for the most part, hasn't been popping in anywhere. So I think that's going to be one of those things where it'll be a forgotten thing down the line. Overall, uh, this issue not nearly as good as the rest. I'm only going to give it two out of five batterings. 
Gotham City Sirens number seven. Uh, just another silly issue that was a cute little holiday themed story. If I was a teenage girl, I might enjoy this, but unfortunately, I'm not a teenage girl. Really? Yeah. I thought the artwork was pretty good by David Lopez. He's got a pretty clean line. My one complaint is, though, that all the Sirens' faces look exactly the same. They've got different hair colors, and Poison Ivy's green, obviously. But other than that, it's I think it's much better than Gillian March's work. Also, the Harley part of this Harley Quinn part of the story, I felt like I was watching an episode of Growing Pains or something like that. Really boring. Overall, is really kind of just a waste of my time. Unless you really love reading about these characters' miscellaneous adventures, don't worry about reading this. Nothing important happens. Um, one out of five batterings. Now, real quick, I, I just have to make another wonderful note on Gotham City Sirens. Um, yeah, this is another one of those ones where they solicited one thing and they completely gave us something completely different. Gotham City Sirens number 7 was supposed to be Gilliam March doing the art. And the solicitation read, Catwoman takes charge as the other sirens fall victim to their most dangerous challenge yet. Where was that dangerous challenge? That's right, it didn't happen. It, the dangerous challenge is going home for the holidays. Yeah. Ooh, Confronting yeah. the mother. And and I'm not sure how... Mary. I'm not exactly sure how exactly uh, Catwoman took charge of that situation since she, she had uh, nothing to do with that. Uh, she got a little those jiggy Santas, with it you with know, Dick. She... Was I the yeah. only one that enjoyed this issue? Uh, probably. I thought that the Harley stuff was hilarious. It was. It's cute if I. It's cute I if just... I want to read about that, but I don't. It's not what I. <laughs> I just find it super interesting how they keep soliciting completely different things. They're trying to get people to buy this book. So, although I don't know if anybody would buy it for Gilliam March's art, but that's just another thing. Okay, Detective Comics 860. I mean, wow, what can you say? Uh, I want to applaud Greg Grucka. I mean, we met him back at Comic-Con, and I had no idea that Batwoman was going to turn out like this. I mean, I would walk around. And look at the at toy shops and see the Batwoman right there. And I was like, I can't believe y'all doing this. I can't believe you're doing this. Now I'm asking myself, like, I can't believe I passed that up. I can't believe I passed that up. <laughs> because Greg Rucka writing this series, the Go series, I mean, it is just amazing. Uh, A58, A59, I mean, I was like, whoa. But 860 in a way, kind of gave it to me like a, like a small, small comic book form of Batman Begins, of how it's going to start, where it's going to be, and then this is where she's at. And it's, it's, a, it's a very small form of that. And, and what I'm describing is just the character from the beginning to the end. And Greg Rucka, I mean, he did an amazing job with that. Now, Williams, I mean, what can we say about this guy's artwork? He started off the book like looking like a 30s, 40s comic book, brought it to the 70s, 80s, and then ended it with his artwork. And I'm, I'm trying to remember a time I know where artists do flashbacks and they might change their art style to that flashback. But... To carry it out through a whole issue like this and to bring in the different periods so you can grow with Batwoman, oh, man, that looked – it just looked amazing. And William's art is just amazing. I I love this book. I I, I love this book. And you can kind of feel with the character. Now I feel like I am a fan of Batwoman now because of Greg Rucka and what Williams did. I love this issue. I'm going to go ahead and give it four batterings out of five. All right, so that's a review wrap-up. We don't have any reviews for these books on the website, so that means, hey, if you want to be a comic reviewer, send us an email. You can review any of the comics we've got that we cover anytime on the podcast. We also have some other comics that we randomly cover here and there, so even if you're a more overall DCU fan, send us an email, and there's always some books that we're looking for people to review that kind of tie into the Batman universe, but not necessarily are the Batman universe. So the email address would be podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. Let's move into our discussion. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. We're just going to talk about... A little bit about the stuff that we think is going to happen in 2010. Plenty of things that were announced in the last podcast and over the last month of things that we can expect in the next year. 
but there's some things that they didn't announce that uh, we just kind of want to give our opinions on. So one of the first things is Batman 700. Now, according to the current schedule of the comics, Batman number 700 is actually set to come out in June. Now, there's a couple different problems with this. Great, it's coming out in June. Hey, Batman 700, awesome. Here's the catch. The return of Bruce Wayne is going to start in, I think they said, April. They said it's a six-issue miniseries. Morrison said it's going to end in September. So the question is, if that's ending in September, that'll also coincide with the ending of Batman and Robin because he's already laid out that there's going to be a total of 15 issues now. So the question is, how are they going to do Batman 700 without Bruce Wayne being around unless it's just a complete throwback issue where they just do a story about Bruce Wayne? Yeah, you know, I wonder how they're going to approach that. Because, I mean, are they going to pick off where uh, Gaiman and uh, and Kubert had left off with Batman? Where, he, you know, it was kind of like saying adieu to Batman. I mean, I hope they just pick it up right there. They'll probably do some exercise thing. And they'll probably have a backup in there that has something to do with Bruce Wayne. Because they're going to try and tie Bruce Wayne into it somehow. And if they can't touch on it because of the miniseries, it'll probably be something where Dick does a fight and then, you know, Damien talks about it. And then Alfred and Dick are like, well, actually, we learned that technique from Bruce. Let me tell you the story, Damien. And then it's a Bruce Wayne story in a framing sequence like that. That's that, yeah, I that, see something like that. that. That's just a guess. But, you know, OK, I see two things happening. One is they could stop releasing Batman during the period of the return of Bruce Wayne, and then after that miniseries ends, restart the title again, like take a break, like they did when Battle for the Cow came out. I also see, though, a thing like what most publishers do now is 500 issue anniversary issues is putting a story out and then filling it with a bunch of other content from previous stories that are supposed to be the best of moments of that character's run. So that's those are my two theories. And I think that's entirely possible. The thing is, Batman 697 has been solicited for March. And at this point in time, by the solicitation, it seems like the book, like the it says the final showdown between Black Mask and the Dark Knight. Will things ever be the same for Kitty Hawk and the Reaper? And Black Mask's identity is finally revealed. Well, it seems like that could be the last issue that Daniel's working on too so there's the two issues before 700 they've got to do something one way or the other to make it work and I just don't think that fans are going to be very pleased if they do the 700th issue and it's a uh, a Dick uh, Grayson story a Dick Grayson story or a flashback to a Bruce Wayne story or something like that I would honestly I would hope that they would hold it back to Bruce Wayne coming back but if they don't and they do something completely different, hey, I'm I'm okay with that. I just I, I just want them to do something good for it and not just hey, let's just make it a normal issue because this is also the year the 75th anniversary of DC. So let's do something worthwhile. Here here's a thought. There's still that dangling plot thread that uh, Dick found those files about his parents' murder. So maybe he'll he'll actually be solving the mystery of why Bruce has that file, and then within flashbacks as he's like uncovering the clues. He'll see whatever Bruce found out about about Dick's parents' murder or whatever. Because we still haven't picked up that plot thread. The other thing also is to think about is Morrison. I'm wondering if Batman and Robin plans to tie in with the events occurring in Return of Bruce Wayne. Which he tends to like to do is tie all the books together. So, Well, we mentioned this a little bit, but uh, the Return of Bruce Wayne is supposed to be coming out in April. And then that's supposed to be a six-issue miniseries, which would go through September, or at least that's what Morrison has said. The other kind of interesting thing is, okay, so in January we have Batman and Robin number seven coming out at the end of the month. February we've got two issues, number eight and number nine. March has issue ten. Uh, So then we can assume April will have issue 11, May will have issue 12, and then that would be the 12 issues that they originally said. So we can assume that because of all the different artists that have been announced that either Batman Robin will be 15 issues 
or it can it will be 18 issues one way or the other. Grant Morrison said that Frank Quietly's coming back. It's just a matter of if he's going to come back for three issues or if he's coming back for one issue. If he only comes back for one, it would be 16 issues, not 18. But if it was 18 issues, it would end right around the same time Return of Bruce Wayne, which could make sense because then Bruce Wayne would obviously be back in the main comics, making Batman Robin kind of not necessarily pointless, but it wouldn't be ideal to have that happening if Bruce Wayne Batman was back, it would make more sense to have that all going on in the Batman main series, as well as Detective Comics, since we know Batwoman might not even be in the books after these next three issues. Right. So, I guess the next question we have is, which books are going to get canceled in the next year? Sirens, maybe? <laughs> Sirens might go. Um, it, it would I suck can... to see Batman and Robin go, because that's been kind of good... The They're part. not canceling that. That's their like flagship right now. That's their money maker right now. Yeah, I could see Sirens getting canceled if Deanie says he doesn't want to do the book anymore, which eventually will happen. Deanie's not going to keep doing the book forever, and I don't think, like realistically, uh, I don't really see any other writer coming out and saying, "Yes, I'd love to write Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, and no one else," which is what the series is all about. So. I could see Deanie staying on uh, Streets of Gotham along with Dustin Wen for as long as uh, one of their con- or Well, I know Dustin Wen has a contract through 2010 with DC, so maybe Deanie will leave after that. Who knows? But I think the problem is as soon as they start shifting around some of the uh, main creators that have been on these books for quite some time, I think we might see some of these series get a couple random issues here or there, and then just completely just get cancelled. Sirens, I think, is going to be one of them, because I think Dini... I mean, no offense to Dini, I think he's great and everything, but I think he's running out of ideas of what to do in this book. Dude, you're, you're, you're tempting me right now. Which is really sad, because uh, over in Batgirl, we've got some of the characters that Dini helped create appearing, but Dini doesn't have those characters appearing in his own books, so... Dini's best work this year was issue four of Streets of Gotham. And after that, I've not been impressed with anything other than what was in Detective before he left. But I could see Sirens definitely getting canned. What about Red Robin? After Bruce comes back, what's the point of having Red Robin around anymore? True. I mean, the thing is, I think the the big thing is, once Red Ro- or once Bruce comes back, the entire status quo of the Batman universe is going to shift. Will Damien stay Robin, or will Tim come back as Robin? I would hope that uh, they don't demote Tim back to Robin, because I think it'll be Damien and Tim going at it 24-7, and I think that'll get annoying real quick. But uh, I could see Red Robin getting cancelled, and Red and Tim just being in one of the other books. Uh, what's going to happen to Dick? Will that start a new series? Will Streets of Gotham... I mean, a lot of these books... Like, Streets of Gotham is realistically the only book that I could see stain. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they go back to what they were doing before, which was following the actual people of Gotham instead of doing Batman and Robin every other issue. Right. Maybe they will have... Like, they're going to have two Batman. Maybe they'll have two Robins. And then it'll be Batman and Robin versus Batman and Robin. And that was a that was something I think that was either mentioned on the forums or at some point I know we talked about that briefly before and that could be cool Bruce and Tim versus Dick and Damien that could be cool for maybe two issues and then they get old real quick because they wouldn't be actually fighting against each other I could just see them as separate teams but I just don't see how that would work and I don't see what the point of keeping I don't know why Dick would want to stay Batman once Bruce comes back because it would kind of be like Yes, Bruce, I don't believe that you need to be Batman. I am Batman now. You can retire. I don't see him doing that at all. Not with the respect that he has for Bruce. Right. And he probably will be quite distraught when he learns that Bruce is alive. Yeah. Especially since he was the one who kept telling Tim, no, he's dead. Right. No, he's dead. Yeah, they've just set up Red Robin as such a, it's a one-story book, you know, as like the whole story of the book is him trying to find Bruce instead of it being the further adventures of Tim Drake or Tim Wayne, whatever they want to call him this week. So 
you're going to have to find a new plot or a new ongoing struggle for him once this is over and stop with the flashbacks and nonlinear storytelling. So I think for the most part, that's kind of what we're predicting for 2010. Throw it over to Nick with Bat Books for Beginners. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Bat Books for Beginners with me, Nick. Today we're looking at Batman colon Batgirl, a graphic novel published in 1997. Written by Kelly Puckett, who has worked on the Batgirl series and several other Batman story arcs, including Batman, Bruce Wayne, Murderer. Artwork in this book is provided by Matt Haley, who has worked on issues of Batman Chronicles regarding a Huntress storyline, and he's also worked on the Birds of Prey series. Clearly this guy likes drawing heroines in the Batman universe. This book was released in conjunction with the Batman and Robin movie, released in the same year, and there were three other graphic novel one-shots released around the time of the film. They were Bane, Freeze, and Poison Ivy. And with this Batgirl novel as well, there were four of them, and if you put the covers to all four issues together, they'd interlock to form one composite image. So, does this book fare as well as the ill-fated Joel Schumacher film? Let's find out. You again? Listen, under other circumstances, this could be fun, but I've got a job to do. Don't flatter yourself. Well, I don't have time to babysit amateurs, okay? I may not have a diploma from crime-fighting school, but I can do fine on my own, thanks. The book opens with a newspaper cutting revealing that the mysterious Batgirl exists and is the new vigilante around town. Barbara is travelling in the back of a police squad car on patrol, and when the car is called into action, she aids the cops in taking down a thug who attempts to escape. Commissioner Gordon is very unhappy at this, but is unable to lecture Babs as he is informed that the Joker has escaped Arkham. A break-in is reported at an office downtown, and Babs investigates finding the discarded blueprints of a private residence belonging to Peter Barbieri. She heads to the house and intercepts two guards on the way in. Barbieri holds her at gunpoint when she arrives, accusing her of breaking into his house. Before she can explain her reason for being there, the Joker arrives. Barbara panics and attacks one of the henchmen with a fire poker to the head, killing the henchman and shocking Babs. Joker interrupts and shoots Barbieri and his wife and knocks Babs unconscious. Babs wakes in a basement with the Barbieri's young son next to her. She figures she is at the Joker's headquarters and finds a way to escape underneath the floorboards. Babs and the child crawl through the vents and come across several guards. Babs rushes past them and they pursue her whilst the child escapes. Unfortunately, Babs makes a wrong turn and comes across the Joker again. The Joker restrains her and explains his reason for killing Barbieri. He made a nougat which had cherry in it, which he hates, so he decided to kill Barbieri and his wife and blow up his office. Typical Joker. He tells Babs this to try and disgust her. The Joker then ties Babs up to a board and attempts to throw knives at her like the circus act. Batman arrives to save Babs, taking out the henchman, and Joker takes a shot with his gun which hits Batman in the head, knocking him down. The shot seems to have grazed past Batman's head and not killed him. Joker tries to finish him off, but Babs intercedes. The cops arrive and take the Joker away, with Batman lying on the floor asking to be taken to Tompkins' clinic, bleeding all over the place. The book closes with Babs asking Gordon about crime fighting being exciting, and Gordon tells her it's just about people getting hurt or not. We realise Babs has learnt a lot from this encounter, and has grown as a character. Criminals at the scene insist they were attacked by a mysterious mass vigilante, who they call Batman and his partner Batgirl. Veteran New Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon refused to comment, saying only that two unidentified law enforcement agents were responsible for bringing the Joker into police custody and denied reports of any Batman or Batgirl at the scene. In review, as the story opens, we get to see Barbara Gordon getting used to her new night job and feeling the thrills of the new experiences, but by the end we see how she's become hardened in a way to the reality and ugliness of Gotham City. But I did feel this story was very short and there was... Not much to get through. I think more time could have been given and this would have made it much more interesting. I feel like it was all over before it even begun. Batman got shot in the head and we didn't really find out what happened. He asked to be taken to Tompkins Clinic, but nothing went on from there and uh, it didn't really tie up due to the short length of the book. So we just assumed Batman went back to normal. But when a bullet goes past your head, I imagine you'd struggle to recover from that. Babs did get saved by Batman again. A bit predictable. Can't Babs save herself at all at the moment? I would have liked to have seen her get out of this problem by herself, considering this is a book dedicated to her, 
she needed some help from Batman again. Let's just see her handle it all by herself for a change. We do get to see a bit of Batgirl making mistakes, being lucky, and we also see people paying the price for it. Realising the gritty danger of Gotham and the danger of the Joker is quite an interesting experience for Babs. Even though Joker's motive is fairly typical, and really, it really proved to Barbara what to expect from him. But I would have thought she had done her research on someone like the Joker at this point, and I imagine she would have known the character well and what, what to expect from him, but that didn't seem to come across in this book, which surprised me. I did think this story left a memorable impression, and it was a fairly solid story. And we learnt about Barbara's development, but nothing really much happened in the book. And again, the Joker teaches Babs a lesson. The writers seem very keen, whenever they use Barbara, for the Joker to encounter her, quite often before her incident, to foreshadow the events that are going to transpire. And it seems to happen a bit too often for me. I would have liked... Why do we? Why does a Joker constantly keep bumping into it? Let's get someone else there for a change. Matt Haley's artwork is good. His Batgirl looks great, fresh and modern. There's a good look to the book, and I enjoyed his art. It added a lot to the story, and the Joker looked quite menacing. I do wonder, though, how much restrictions he had, both the writer and the artist, with the film coming out. Did they have to ensure certain parts of Barbara's character applied for this book, in the thought that new readers would be getting this book after they'd seen the new Batman and Robin film. So, for instance, did they have to get the costumes she had in the film? But in conclusion, I felt this book was a good, short story, but just that. And it's so short that the plot is dropped, and the book is just about developing Bab's character. Luckily, it's a pretty good character. So we got to see her go from heroine newbie to a hero with a bit more experience. This is really only for Babs fans, and if you run out of Batgirl material to read, then I'd get this one. Three out of five Batarangs. Knock, knock. Who's there? Batgirl. Past tense. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed that review. Next time I'll be reviewing Birds of Prey, Batgirl, Catwoman published in 2003, and this is a story about Batgirl and Catwoman crossing paths and joining forces to defeat a mysterious enemy. So look forward to that, and I'll see you then. Alright, so that's Bat Book for Beginners. Make sure you pick up the next book so you can follow along in the next comic cast. Let's go into our upcoming releases for the next two weeks. What have you got for me? On January 13th, we finally have Batman the Widening Gear after it's been delayed for about a month. Batgirl number 6, Batman number 695, Batman the Brave and the Bold trade paperback, and Catwoman number 83. Now, wait, what's that? You, you, you're wondering why Catwoman 83 is coming out? Well, that actually ties into Blackest Night. So if you're following along with Blackest Night, you'll know why Catwoman number 83 is coming back. Moving on, January 20th, we have Azrael number 4, Batman Streets of Gotham number 8, Batman Brave and the Bold number 13, Outsiders number 26, and Superman Batman number 68. That's right, pigs, and here's the paddle! As for what we will be covering next time on the podcast, we will be covering Batman Confidential number 40, Red Robin number 8, Batman the Widening Gear number 4, Batgirl number 6, Batman number 695, and Catwoman number 83. That's pretty much everything for this episode. I want to remind everyone, if you haven't listened to it, we have the 2009 The Batman Universe Award Show posted in the special podcast feed. Go ahead and download that. We have numerous different awards that we're, we have for uh, comic creators and the different Batman comics. If you go onto the website, there's a small link on the normal pages in the top right-hand corner for you to cast your vote for who you think should be winning those awards. It'd be great if you guys could do that. The more participation we have, the more likely we'll have something like this in the future. As I mentioned before, we are always looking for more comic book reviewers. We are also planning on starting to work on the comic book archive on the website. That's right, the comic archive and the ginormous comic archive that will become... So we will be looking for people to help us with that. So if you are interested in working on the comic archive, just send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. We're also looking for people who have any kind of experience whatsoever with Flash. And I'm talking about Flash animation, stuff like that. So anybody who's 
could just possibly help out with one or two quick projects, just drop us an email, podcast at thebetmanuniverse.net. You can leave us a review on iTunes, you can go onto the forums, you can go onto the editorials, you can go to the website, check daily news, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us at thebetmanuniverse.net. So that's everything, this is Dustin. This is Apple. You got Josh. This is Zach. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode 35. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Sayonara. Take it easy. SpongeBob. Hello, everyone. Welcome to. Oh, real quick before we get started, the. Uh, oh God. Right. Yeah. What is that? Are you cutting the ham? No, it's an air mattress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a saw. <laughs> I was thinking you're cutting the turkeys. I don't know if the email went to everyone or just Dustin, but I basically said, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting how if if I can wind up pulling this off. So you have the mute button. Yeah, I know, I know. All but right, I can see getting cut off in the middle of a review or an opinion. The two thousand. All right, let's see if we can do this in one sitting. Did this? Oh my! Almost made it. <laughs> Thought I was going to make it all the way through. Have, have, when did they start this? What May or June? Yeah, June. It's January now. They're talking. You know, weren't, wasn't this supposed to get us interested in the characters or build a supporting fan base for them? Uh, really? You pick now to do that? <laughs> not, not, not the whole time when the mic was muted at all. <clears throat> and for the people listening to the blooper reel, that would be an air mattress, not a turkey carver. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry I don't get excited when I see nude comic book characters neither do I especially <laughs> when they're drawn like that Deanie is, edit this out but Deanie's doing his best with the hand he's been dealt, it's not his fault that Bruce Wayne's not there and he has to write Damien, you know Deanie is taking Damien and he's saying well if you're going to give me a bad character to write I'm going to make him good because he's Deanie and he's amazing and he's really you know, protesting the fact that Bruce Wayne's not in a book not my actual opinion, actual stuff that's been said on the internet. Oh my god. I don't think <laughs> I don't think anything. <laughs>